I like your nails. Mine are yeah, so James. Nice. I saw yours. This looks good. They're done at Salon Jamie. Like Beautiful. It. My bedroom because I can't afford the fancy. Well, I, don't, I don't have a salon, James, because look at this. It would be all the <laughs> over my house. James, did you tip at Salon? Oh, I, always, I always tip myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got a girl. Right. We're ready, people. Hello, and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Thank you for taking a seat at the table. Tonight we're in our Looking Back series. We are going to be looking at our single most listened to episode outside of interviews, Mothers in Mental Health, which was part of our series three back in the day. This is my pick. This week, uh, I have Jamie. Hello. Rachel. Hey, everybody. Kim. Hi there. Jen. Hi, everyone. And I'm Tabitha. I said with me, but we're all here together as one. (laughs) We are all in Montana right now. (laughs) We're all here. I wish you were. So when I went back and listened to this episode, I kind of picked out some things. First of all, this episode was super vulnerable this whole series was super heavy it was kind of like our first heavy series that we did and we were all like kind of drained after we did this entire series because it was for mental health awareness month we hit on a lot of topics around mental health suicide addiction all kinds of things um in this series and i loved it at the time even though it was super hard to do for everyone so kim each one of us said i think some pretty poignant things in, in relation to mom specifically talking about mental health and how it's kind of not discussed and how you're supposed to feel these beautiful warm and fuzzy feelings when you're birthing your children and nurturing and caring for them and a lot of times there's kind of like a darker side of that when you're exhausted and you're giving up pieces of yourself to your tiny baby and it's kind of frowned upon to talk about specifically Kim you talked a lot about the early days kind of taking care of your four kiddos and the onset of your depression at that time. And what I loved that you talked about in that episode is that there wasn't really an emotions attached to your depression, that it was kind of like a vacant feeling, which I can relate to so much at this point in my life right now. How did you feel when you listened back to this episode? Yeah. So I actually listened today and it was funny because my daughter was at the other side of the table and she was like more towards my anxiety stuff. And she was like, you know, cause they don't see, they know that I'm anxious and I'm, I worry a lot and all that, but like, it wasn't the intense anxiety that I had. My younger kids have never seen that. So it's mm. just like, it's funny to like hear her be like, Oh, and like talk about like, just things were so different. Like there were no cell phones. So it's like, if you were worried about somebody, you couldn't call and be like, Hey, are you good? Like, why are you late? You know what I mean? So I think that's like, like, she can't imagine that. She's that's so weird. I can't imagine not being able to call somebody like, and that's even weird for me to think about now. And yeah, I mean, I've gone through two bouts of depression that I would consider really in like a depression. And um, I mean, it scares me. I fight tooth and nail to not go back to that place because I feel like when you're in it, it feels like you can't get out of it. And as much as anxiety is terrifying and it's horrible and it's debilitating, especially for me, because I have many types of anxiety. So it's like, there's always one type that's waiting to pounce on me, it feels like. (laughs) But I feel like I can manage that somewhat with depression. I there's no managing. Once you get down in that hole, it's so hard to come out of it. I feel myself kind of going there sometimes. It scares me because I don't want to be in that place because I am a little bit of a control freak. 
which hence the anxiety. <laughs> but <laughs> when you're in oppression, you don't have any control. Like there's no control. There's just, it's just like a black hole. And like I said on the episode, I don't think that a lot of people that haven't, you know, everybody gets down in the dumps and people get depressed. It's not the same thing as being under depression, like at all. I thought I knew what depression was, but I didn't know what it was until I was in a depression. And it's scary. You talked about that a little bit too, about not knowing what a depression was until you came out of the depression. Yes. And that's true. Even even when I was in it, I don't think I fully knew the gravity of it until I started feeling normal again. Yeah, I got up, I took care of my kids. I did what I needed to do, but I was literally just walking through the motions. Like, it's just, it's like, you're so detached from your own feelings, from your own emotions, from all the things that normally like bring you joy and bring you happiness, even though it doesn't always feel like you're doing that. You know what I mean? It's like when you're completely detached from those feelings, like it's almost like you're a robot. Mm -hmm. Depression is sneaky. It really is sneaky. And sometimes you don't know you're depressed. And I can definitely have like bouts where I like, I can start to go in it. Like I can get really down for a day. And then like, I, you know, that's not being in a true depression, obviously. But like, even when that happens, it like, it scares me because it's like, I just don't like something having power over me. And I feel like that is something that just does because you just, you just have to wait for that cloud to lift sometimes, or God forbid, like go to a doctor or something. But (laughs) (laughs) speak out assistance. Yeah. I like to ride things out a little bit first. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jamie? So when I was listening back to your portion, one thing that stuck out to me that I think is like really a huge part of anxiety in general is that you kind of trick yourself into thinking that you're not having anxiety. You talked about like thinking about all the other people who have it worse than you in the situation with, you know, anxiety or parenting or anything. And you kind of like almost Diminish. talk your diminish yeah diminish your own struggles because of thinking about other people who have it worse than often you do I really liked that how did you feel listening back listening back I thought a lot about because I was recently talking to someone about prenatal depression and I talk about that a little bit in there Mm -hmm. and how a lot of people don't know that's a thing just thinking about that about how many women go through that and they don't really even realize and for me I think a big problem with that a lot of people in my life are like oh you're just hormonal and Mm -hmm. I think obviously in pregnancy, that's going to happen a lot. And after you have a baby, that's going to happen a lot. But in general, I think that's what we get a lot too. And I think we probably put that on ourselves. So it made me think a lot about that in general, about how like when we go through like a major change in our lives as women, it gets blamed on hormones a lot. And we don't necessarily do that to men. Although I will say, I think men have a hard time in their own right. Like if they're sad and depressed, sometimes they have their own uh, stigmas and stuff about that. But I thought a lot about that. and. Um, I was the part where I talked about staying up all night and my anxiety and overthinking things. Me and my husband, just the other night, we were having this long conversation about middle school. My son is in first grade. So my oldest is in first grade. And it's because the girls that I, I'm over a group of girls at our church and they go to the local middle school and there's like, it just seems to be so many problems. There's something I'm already panicking about middle school. And he's like, why are you worrying about middle school? Like that's so, he's like, you should just worry about tomorrow. I'm like, oh, I'm worrying about tomorrow. I'm worrying about tomorrow. I'm worrying about five years from now. I'm worrying about 20 years from now. I'm worrying about three weeks ago. (laughs) Is that what's going on in your brain all the time? I was like, yeah. And he's like, holy crap. And I just like, and I think- Why do you think I listen to Harry Potter every night? (laughs) But just in general, I feel like, I mean, I think a lot of us do, especially when you have a special needs child, you have to think ahead. Yeah. have to be prepared. We've talked about this a million times for the future, 
but that's also causes a lot more anxiety and stuff for me because I'm always like, okay, what if school suddenly falls through right now, the situation, what are we going to do? I'm stressing myself out about things that may not even ever happen. And that's, and that's hard, but it's, I'm like, but I feel trapped because I'm like, that's part of the life we're in. So listening to this episode, I'm like, wow, we get right. Like, first of all, this was only the third series. I, for some reason in my head, thought this was further down, mm-hmm. man, we went right in for it. And then this was the first episode was mothers. And then we started mm-hmm. with Rachel. I'm like, man, we were not messing around, mm-hmm. but I love that we did that. And overall with the episode, I'm really grateful we did that. And so early on, because if you're new to us and you haven't gone back and listened to those first three series, I highly recommend it. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to episode ongoing but it really defines who we are and I think it set up our podcast in a very open way like from the yeah I love that we did that and I love that that's our standard and our basis so when we are talking about other things you kind of know where we're coming from with that and um, I hope other people feel less alone because of that so that's what I love and when the other thing like with my daughter was like she's like why did you know what anxiety was and I was like it was talked about and it wasn't that long ago I mean mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. talking like 25 That's years so ago cool to hear 30 years ago and it was like people didn't talk about mental health people didn't talk about like mm-hmm. I literally didn't know what anxiety was like and obviously you know what being anxious is like that's like but not like an anxiety disorder it wasn't something that was talked about it's just funny how that's that's really changed you know when I think about even when I was in high school so I graduated in 2006 for reference (laughs) like talking about OCD or things like that that was like an anxiety in general like I would never think of a child or a teenager having anxiety yeah yeah when I was in high school like the only things you saw were like extreme on tv and that's why I think about OCD because they would have shows I think tv had a show about like extreme OCD and like that's all you thought of those things like it wasn't a reality it was always in extreme cases and so like I mean if I I really feel like if I were in high school and I went up to like someone a teacher someone like I'm depressed I feel like it would be taken way less seriously than now hopefully mm-hmm. no. I think you're right about this episode it was like we came in hard and we came in open and we talked about some heavy duty mental health stuff and there's five of us here all of us carry some kind of mental health situation period right. at, from all walks of life from all professional careers different ages of kids that to me was like mind blowing when i was listening back i'm like this is fascinating because how many people aren't talking about their own mental health with people that are around them Jen when I was listening back to you you talked about the isolation of OCD which I think when people think about OCD or I don't know about other people but before I knew more about it when I thought about OCD I thought about patterns and repetition and kind of like the need to control by doing certain things but I didn't I never once thought about how isolating that could feel or how kind of similar to anxiety where you're living in your own mind to like try and control the situation around you. So I loved that you highlighted that in that episode. How did you feel listening back? So I listened back on the airplane. I had an hour to kill from Vancouver to Calgary and I had forgotten that Rachel went first and how powerful the opening was. So I was actually crying on the airplane. I had an empty seat beside me and then a girl, a really nice girl, like, there but I was like sobbing 
in like on the plane and I like I just forgot how powerful it was and then I laughed because we talked about Yolanda and she happened oh, to be yeah. here on third uh, the day before I was like oh she was just there we still have Yolanda thank thank you mom but for me you know talking back about that listening back to it I was like oh yeah I bought my first townhouse and I didn't have anybody over to show my you know you usually have like a that thing how like you do something in your house mm-hmm. I, housewarming. I yeah. didn't want anyone in I didn't I didn't want people in my house I'm still very much like that um, my OCD is pretty high right now my hands are pretty I look like Michael Jackson just imagine with the tips of the white glove uh the band-aids you know so none of it's changed for me I think it's just a little there is a lot of repetition I mean Rachel could probably tell you what I do I wake up, my feet hit the ground. I immediately make my bed. I literally physically cannot let myself out of the room until I make my bed. Then I clean the cat litter box. Then I take my first shower. I mean, it's it's like, and I can't veer from that or I am a I'm too fixated uh, yeah, on how but that's not just the morning supposed then, to go. You talked about the morning routine. I'm sorry to cut you off, but like, yeah. it's also when you get home from school or gym from dance it's like there are these ritualistic things that happen at all parts of the day not just to get you through your morning yeah and then it it stops me from doing things you know I can't get past it like I, I literally can't get past it I cannot sit down and watch tv I could never just sit down and relax I'm looking at how the cushions are lined up on the the chaise are the blankets perfectly put away in the bin, Rachel drew me a picture on how to fold them. Like that kind of stuff. Like I can't just actually sit down and watch TV. Like I just can't, I'll have to wash my floor before I sit, you know? So that kind of stuff is like, and then if someone's here, I'll wash pillows. If anyone sits on my couch and touches our pillow, like I, I, so I don't like having people here. It's, it's just, yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah. So yeah, listening back, not, none of that's changed. I think it's cranked a little bit right now up. But I also really forgot how powerful that episode was. Yeah. 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 It really was. I was like, man, we really just let loose (laughs) over here about ourselves. We really did. What about you, Tiff? So for me, I'm with, I'm in kind of in the same space as you, Jen, right now is that my mental health's amped up to the nth degree. You know, I mean, my mental health struggles, should I say? Anxiety, depression. I've had pretty significant waves of depression throughout the last six months, more so than I have in a really, really long time. Probably the last time was, you know, after my kids were diagnosed, but it wasn't like a, a long run of it. So listening back, I kind of, the one thing that struck me so hard with all of us is that these are lifelong struggles. It's not just something that kind of started in our twenties, or maybe we recognize it at that time, but we can float back to childhood. We can float back to different times of our lives where we've had these mental health um, pings, you know, and I don't know if that's kind of one of those things where is it genetically prone or not, you know, but for me specifically, uh, I have been on the struggle bus, no doubt about it. I mean, some days I, I'm kind of in that space that Kim talked about with her kids, where it's like, I'm going through the motion some days and just making it through until my head hits the pillow at night. And I have moments of, 
uh, joy and happiness and lifting and then back down. And it's like rapid cycling over here with the mental health struggles. So, and people, you know, some people have talked to me about maybe you should seek out medication. And for me, I think anyone who needs medication or wants some relief or should be on medication for me personally, like I, um, have dealt with this my entire life. And usually I treat my mental health with therapy outside of medication. Cause I'm really like, my body's really susceptible to medication in general and finding the right fit is hard. And I've been on anxiety meds in the past, um, specifically for sleep, but I've never really sought out, um, anything in relation to depression, just because I usually use outside tools, like being around people who I love and going out into nature and, you know, try and lift the fog a little bit, even though I don't want to. And I've learned that over time, but this specific period of my life, people have talked to me about maybe I should seek out some medication. It's getting better. It definitely is getting better. The first four months were horrific. And I still have, I mean, Christmas was super hard. I hit kind of a wave of depression after Christmas and, you know, the vulnerable nature about talking about your mental health. Sometimes I feel like when I talk about my mental health, it's very frank and it's very like, this is what's going on with me. Uh, And I think it's off-putting to people sometimes almost because then they feel like they need to fix or solve or give me resources to, you know, bundle up a solution. And I'm like, no, I'm just voicing what's going on with me right now. I'm not really seeking like a way to fix the situation. I know tools. I've spent my whole life learning tools and I have a whole basket full of them that I can reach to. I'm just trying to like be open that maybe things are a little bit foggy. And if I don't return a text message or if I don't call you back, it's because I legitimately cannot do that. I cannot engage on certain days. And I put all my resources into my kids on those days and they deserve that, you know, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing left for anyone else. And not even for myself, you know, and I feel kind of proud that I can recognize that about myself. It's good to like, like I've called my sister crying and just saying, you know, like this is hard as and I don't know how I'm going to get through and she'll kind of help me off a ledge. So anyway, (laughs) I'm going to say, well, Tabitha, I was also going to say, you might also not be getting the text message because your phone is so that may also be why she's not returning your text if anyone's tried to text me over the last couple months turns out my phone's not giving that happened to me and tabs the tabs is like you have not been i'm like yeah i did but i didn't want to like but about it i thought you just needed to pray but i was not texting i think too you've been through such a huge life change and it's kind of one of those things that like you just have to work through all that stuff like Mm-hmm. you know, and I'm off a of medication if it helps. So I did seek out medication, you know, when my depression was really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to handle stuff on my own first, just because, mm-hmm. you know, me too. medication can help, but then it also there's other things that go along with it. And when you're going through something like what you're going through, something situational is causing the depression. Like mm-hmm. you have to work through that stuff. No amount of medication is gonna, cause it's just gonna numb you, but then Numb it's like, a bit, yeah. you're still going to have to, 
feel that stuff to get through it. That's the only it's the only way to get through it. And and like you said, by talking about it and recognizing it and using all the tools that we have. Well, and I was telling my best friend recently, I was like, like the panic or the anxiety or the depression, all of that is associated around feeling topsy turvy. My entire life is flipped the fuck upside down. Literally, yeah. And all of that stems from feeling out of control and as we all know I'm kind of a control freak and I like things to be set a certain way and I like things to fit in line and I don't like feeling like out of control and out of my element and you know whatever so it is very much situational on top of already having Mm -hmm. to manage my anxiety and depression in general so you like stir that pot and then it turns into this like well I mean so much like you I mean you moved your whole life across the country you bought a house by yourself your own house like you know you're managing children on your own really for the first time like there's so much to it like dealing with new school systems and just a whole nother way obviously your home so it's like you lived there before but I mean there was there was a lot of years in between Mm -hmm. going back there like I mean that's a lot of stuff to unpack I mean yeah that's a lot to handle at once it's like every street here feels familiar and at the same time feels like I don't recognize anything it's very confusing I mean it really is I have a memory on every street of this town and then at the same time it's been so many years that it almost feels like I've had I told my sister this I've had moments where I'm driving down the street and I for a minute think I'm in Phoenix because it's just like I'm not thinking about my surroundings mm-hmm. and it's because I'm not like I'm You're just, like where's that goddamn sun yeah <laughs> like, yeah snow I mean the snow makes it a little more realistic to understand where I am but a lot of whistles in this episode yes sorry James I haven't even gone yet you didn't you didn't get really a fresh start Mm. you know it's like you went back to a place where there's a lot of good stuff and then stuff that maybe isn't as good yeah so like I feel like that also complicates the whole you know people don't think I'm losing my mind I'm not having delusions I'm just saying that in the (laughs) in that moment where you drive down the street and you're kind of in that just uh, autopilot autopilot it takes me a minute to remember where I am I've driven to like an old house before you know when you move yeah Yeah. are at the same town and you like drive to that same place I was gonna say though for some people and, and maybe for some people that are listening this may sound really silly but I really kind of put depression together with it maybe not being an outward emotion for people to see when Robin Williams passed away I thought wow here's the happiest guy in on earth funniest guy all the time and he was suffering in silence so I think that uh, I mean, for someone as even keel as me, it's always hard to tell where I'm feeling. But you know, it, people don't always show that. Yes, that exactly. Sadness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, when you, I, which I forgot to say about medication, is I did try medication. They did put me on actually Prozac for it, and I guess my daughter gets it for me. I couldn't take it. It was just, it was literally making me go crazy. Mm-hmm. So I did try the the med the med route. But anyway, that's what I want to say about depression with. You don't always yeah. necessarily know. And really, like, you could, I think when people think of, like, a famous people who commit suicide, mm-hmm. or they think, why would they do that? They have everything going Everything, on. You yeah. Know, money. But it's worse. Fame. It's worse yeah. to feel that way when you're, like, it's one thing to feel that way when your life is shit, You know what I mean? It's like, well, <laughs> yeah. I got no money. My house is falling apart. Like, 
know, I got 18 yeah. people living in a three bedroom. You know, <laughs> sounds like a familiar you, story. But when anybody? you have, um, <laughs> I am not rejecting him. But when you have everything that you could want, when you want for nothing, and then you still feel that way, like there's just an emptiness. I think yeah. that goes with that. And that's just in an isolation. You feel in guilty it. about it. You feel yeah. guilty about feeling mm-hmm. that way. You know, I think, and that was Robin Williams pattern. for me. I did think that yeah. like, wow, yeah. here's a guy that on, on the outside had everything and all the money in the world and a beautiful family and happy guy, you know? So it was like, I don't know why that for me was well, that, that with, but Robin Williams was hard for me too, but Twitch recently. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. just seemed like yeah. the happy, you know, like, and a young family and, you know, and he was so young and had like so many opportunities. And he was so vibrant. He yeah. was just so vibrant. Yeah. The whole thing mm-hmm. was based on making other people happy. And I was like, I still think about that sometimes. And I'm like, like, it just breaks my heart. It's so hard. You just never, ever, ever know. Yeah. There's this thing uh, that is common of pe- in people who have addiction, you know, which is centered around kind of like mental health. And, and a lot of people who have addiction problems will say, I just want to be happy. And really like the realistic view of life is that there is no preset happiness. It ebbs and flows. Sometimes life is good and feels good and you can be happy. And sometimes life is complete, utter garbage and hard as hell. And there's no this magic happiness that will carry you through every single day of your life. It just does not exist. And resolving yourself of that sometimes when you're in that dark space or when you're in depression, that there's an idea that it's never going to get better and it's never going to change. And you're always going to feel heavy and dark and sad. And really, if we all think back to moments of our life, there are times where you can draw from, and I use this tool when I'm significantly depressed, I'll turn on a song that reminds me of a happy time. Or I will sit out in the sunshine just to feel something on my skin to change the dynamic of what my brain is doing in the moment. And it doesn't always work, but sometimes it does because it'll bring me to a space where I'm like, there are good feelings and good moments in this life, even if I'm feeling completely, utterly destroyed in this moment, you know? And I think that's really carried me through this last six months because I have gone to see live music. I've spent time in front of open fires. I've spent time with people I care about and form new friendships and new relationships with people and just tried to spark this life that was neutral for such a long time in Phoenix. And then it reminds me that not every day is going to be as sad as today. And even though I feel like garbage and even though I feel terrible today, there are moments where I'll feel better. So, or fleeting moments of happiness is what life is about. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it, yeah. Rachel Flanagan, you're next. So you opened up this episode and it was so powerful and so beautiful and so vulnerable. I love that everything that you shared, it really, if you guys haven't listened to this episode, you really should go back and listen to it because Rachel just, it, it was beautiful. It really was. The one thing that outside of your vulnerability about talking to your own spirits with mental health, the one thing that I love that you said is that there's strength in numbers and there's a common threads between all of us that reinforce this life. Basically, those aren't your exact words, but that's what I took from it is that like, we all have common threads that we can kind of melt into each other in order to support and uplift. Yeah. And I thought it was absolutely beautiful. 
listening back to this episode for you, I'm sure was not easy. What are your thoughts? So that was a hard episode to listen back to, but I've made some progress and I've had some struggle since then. And I think the thing that's helped me the most is being able to have, like you said, strength in numbers. Like there's, I try and rely on the people that are closest to me. I try and be clear about, like you said, tabs, it can maybe sometimes sound so frank, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But I try and just, like I said, on the last episode or on the episode we are rehashing, I just try and own where I'm at and share about, you know, what I'm going through right now. You could probably hear we're never using this video. So nobody will see. I have been in a significant struggle recently, so I can share a little bit about what I'm doing to make it through. So part of what I uh, have done for myself to make sure that I can continue to manage this and fight for myself is uh, to remind myself that I've survived every time my depression has been this hard. Mm. Uh, I have a crisis plan in place and I stick to it because my life depends on it. I am a person who's relying on medication, which I, after like five different, like two different pills and five different, you know, kind of tweaks of dosing, I feel like I'm smiling and laughing freely uh, for the first time in months. I live in Minnesota and uh, I recently got a medical cannabis certificate so that uh, I can use cannabis to treat PTSD, which we didn't really discuss in our last episodes, or I'm sorry, our mental health series, but our life has been pretty traumatic. And there's a lot that has sort of my mental health being tanked and our life being complicated sort of as this delicate and really touchy existence. And I think that being diagnosed recently with PTSD was eye-opening and validating and also scary because finding it hard to treat trauma that I'm still living through. There's no P in this past. There's no post in this. It's like, you know, today. I have some techniques, like Tabitha had said, going outside or catching some sun or getting a moment away helps. For me, if I hear like the cycles of suicidal ideation or the triggers for that or the beginning of the slippery slope, I try and do the opposite. So if I'm sitting on the couch and I'm struggling, I try and start walking. If I'm walking and I haven't, and I'm just like busy as a bee and I keep moving from one thing to another to find some sense of accomplishment or whatever through my day. And I catch myself moving that quickly. I try and sit down and like, I just try and do the opposite of what it is that I catch myself in when it's happening. It's hard to navigate a hard day when you're feeling like this, because it feels like the beginning of a deeper um, Mm -hmm. struggle. And so for me, it's just really been about managing what I'm hearing in my inner dialogue. Like just saying that that's my depression, saying that like it has nothing to do with my actual worth, what's happening. It's just a consequence of my struggle. And if I title it, it's like, you name it to tame it, you know, Mm. like I can say, okay, that isn't valid or clear. Like the world is better with me in it. And I just try and repeat that. I will say for 1000%, this world is better for you being in it. Rachel Flanagan, shining spirit of happiness and sunshine that you bring to us all. You're always thinking about others, even when you're in your own struggle and it's 
like something really special about you. And this girl can Google anything. Okay. You need to find something like she'll tell me where something in my city is. I hate calling people and I need Rachel to call people for me. Yeah. And to send me yeah. period. I really appreciate period five hashtag period five. You know, that's, that's really one of my tricks to help myself if I'm really struggling and try and put out into the universe trying to friend so hard and with intention not like I'm fishing for validation just like I'm feeling so isolated and I try and validate something that I do have and honor what I love about a person I feel like I'm sure you'd rather answer your door to a cherry pie than later a letter from me you know like I, it's just an action to not be writing a note and I think it's a good coping skill because it reinforces what I have and it makes sure that I stay connected and it probably helps fill that void a little bit so that was um one thing I we which we all kind of talked about when I was listening back to this is like individualized tools that we've come up with to kind of manage our own mental health and you know I think there's mental health is just as individual at, like when I think about our kids and the bracket of their diagnosis of autism. We all have common threads with our kids and we also have very individualized children in their own right. I think mental health is very much like that. You can label it depression. Your depression may look like not getting out of bed. Your depression may look like not feeling. Your depression may look like, you know, over consuming or gambling or addiction or excessive spending, you know, any of those things are all depression under the umbrella of depression. And it looks different for each one of us. And so the tools that you find for yourself, some of the things that we've talked about are individual to you as a human being, like what makes you feel good on the inside? What can remind you, as Rachel said, that your value is here, that you have a specific value to this world and the people around you and the people who, yes, multiple value. And a lot of times with depression, you end up isolating the people around you unintentionally and you feel lonely. But I have used this tool as well as like reaching out and maybe healing some of those wounds or having the conversations that sit in the background that make you feel like garbage, putting it out openly sometimes can change the narrative, you know? And sometimes you do have to cut people out of your life to feel better and to live a better life. It's just, it's a balance. It's all a balance and learning things about yourself from someone else who can see you from the outside, I think is invaluable. One thing that for sure that I struggle with is seeing the growth and seeing the success and seeing the good things that I can put into the world as other people view me. I still have an internal dialogue of a little girl who was wounded so coming up from that basically if you guys have any other tools that you haven't talked about already does anyone want to say anything else because <laughs> I'm rambling I think, on about I think, um, I think an important thing is to put yourself first sometimes I know we're not the greatest at doing that but when it comes to your mental health like if you just need a day to lay on the couch then lay on the couch like take that day or if you you know if you don't want to go to something you're committed to don't go like too bad so sad for everybody else like you have to sometimes do what's best for your own mental health and other people may not understand it they may not like it but you have to do it I think also on top of that it's like remembering last year the holidays were really hard for me like unexpectedly I was very excited about the holidays my whole family was going to be together and I hit a really hard wall and I kind of had a little mental breakdown 
and my poor husband had to take care of a lot of things for me. And so like this year, I just took it way easier. I mean, already a lot of family and stuff weren't coming, but I just kind of had this attitude of like, I'm not going to overdo it. I'm going to like wrap things ahead of time instead of not sleeping the two nights before just pre-preparing myself. And I think also like a big thing for me that I think really helps us communicating with someone in your life, what helps you when you're in those situations? I mean, like Rachel was saying, I know it's not always like, you know, sometimes it's you're up and moving too much and you need to like take a day to chill or you haven't moved and you need to, but my husband knows like the things that help me when I'm having a really hard time and he'll, sometimes it doesn't, isn't received well. (laughs) <laughs> and he'll say, hey you want to go have alone time and I'm like oh, I have too many things to do or, you know things like that but you think I need alone time <laughs> but um, but letting someone know for one how you do act and what you do look like when you are down and then also what helps you in those moments because um like Tabs was saying too it's you know, you talk to friends about this and sometimes you just want to talk and, but sometimes you are asking for help and you don't know how to ask for help. Like there's so many different things that you could be doing with in that conversation. And it's really hard for the other person to do. And I mean, it's hard being that person sometimes too, because you're like, how am I supposed to help you? Mm-hmm. I just feel awkward in the situation. And then it comes off rude or mean, or like that you're not being helpful or that you're being too helpful. And so anyway, this is me rambling, but just communicate with people like, you know, even if it's just one person or two people in your life, like this is what I need from you when I'm like this. And this is maybe how you can recognize in me that it's not, it's not going as well as it may appear to be going. That's Mm -hmm. in my crisis plan for sure. I feel like if you feel like you need one and you're wondering what is that, Google that like a mental health crisis plan, because like Jamie said, it's so important to let the people know. I mean, many of you guys have checked in with me during this time. You like, Rachel off grid is different than 11 days without a Rachel. Mm-hmm. The phone starts ringing, letting people know all of those details will save you from potentially getting further in. Somebody mm-hmm. might see something. My husband is dealing with a lot of mental health stuff right now as well. And his is anxiety related. And recently we were discussing how, you know, we have all these tools to help our daughter who has rapid cycling bipolar, but also anxiety. She has autism and we've learned lots of tech tips and tricks, right? Like through all of these different therapies. And we talked about when Celie is struggling, how we use redirecting and we use these tools and we use stress balls and different textures and, you know, eating something salty and all these different things and that we can and should be using those techniques as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So just as Celie would, you know, we would redirect her as she begins to hyper-focus on something that seems like not a great time (laughs) trying to do that in the same way for yourself. It's kind of like one of those obvious things, but like using her tools for us is just saying it to him helped, you know? Yeah. And then I think um, before we wrap up also autism or not all children, I know that can struggle with mental health and a lot of children do, but I think, I know at this table, all of our children would have a hard time necessarily communicating that those struggles so that adds that layer and then when you're already struggling it's just this like you said you just kind of go through the day just get done what you need to get done Mm -hmm. yeah and I think it's important to know that whatever you're feeling that's okay life is filled with all kinds of feelings we have labels for them for a reason (laughs) and it's okay to talk about them and it's okay to I mean I think that's why people get off put by my frankness sometimes because I am just like 
you know, I feel like garbage. I don't need you to say it's going to be okay. Just know that this feels like absolute complete dumpster fire over here. And I don't know how I'm going to make it through. Tomorrow might be better. We'll see what happens. I don't know. But the other thing I want to say, which this series, series three was specifically for mental health awareness month. If you are struggling with mental health, if you're feeling some of the ways that we are feeling or have felt in the past or can't recognize exactly what you're feeling, talk to someone around you, seek out professional help because you for sure have value in this world and you should give yourself the gift of voicing those feelings and seeking out help if you need it. Medication, therapy, I'm a big believer in both. Even though, you know, I don't um, treat my own mental health with medication, it doesn't mean I would be against it or against it for someone else. Figure out what works best for you and thumbs up to therapy. Thank God for that because this girl would not have you sitting here if it weren't for it. Something Uh, quick that just came to mind, Tabs, I don't mean to cut you off, is a lot of our listeners probably don't have a doctor or a team that works directly with them. Um, Mm -hmm. I recently learned that the average uh, time is like 11 years before you seek treatment for your Mm. mental health struggle. So to me, a good way in to help for our listeners is probably to talk to your kid's social worker about Mm -hmm. how you're doing. Mm -hmm. At least they could make a recommendation because many of our kids have at least that. It isn't easy to get help sometimes. I mean, that's just what it boils down to. Sometimes you don't have insurance. Sometimes you can't afford to seek treatment. Sometimes there's, you know, as we all know, a thousand wait lists or not enough providers in your area or whatever the case may be. The main thing is find someone who can hear you, hear the words that are coming out of your mouth if you're struggling, because they might be able to give you the hand to figure out where to go next without you trying to go down a hole on the internet. Um, And sometimes you just need someone to do because you can't do for yourself. So I love this episode. Uh, I'm sorry to bring back (laughs) all the hard stuff we all have to talk about, but I think it is very, very, very powerful. And I think it is one of the most beautiful episodes we have ever done. It was so vulnerable and so um, powerful. I just loved it. So thanks for tuning in to this look back on mothers and mental health tonight. (laughs) We should have had those Kleenex ready. (laughs) (laughs) all right see you next time for another looking back episode coming thank you bye everyone thank you for sitting at the table for this episode of the table for five no reservations podcast to learn more please read the description of this episode in there you can also find where to sign up for our newsletter and how to become a supporter join us next week for more and while you wait check out our content on facebook and instagram if you are enjoying the podcast please make sure to subscribe and rate and review us wherever you listen to contact us, you can email us at tableforfivepodcasts at gmail.com. We can't wait to sit with you again. Bye.